as I told you months ago, God has placed this on my heart. And uh, I believe that everything that she said, I, I could feel a confirmation in my spirit that God was saying, this is what I want you to look at this morning. And I also want to put this in your mind. Uh, a lot of times uh, abortion can be a thing we don't see. And a lot of times we don't see it. We don't think it's there. But it is there. You heard some of her statistics. Um, it is the church. It's, it's you and I. We have to stand up and combat these things. And we have a good opportunity to do that today in, in partnering with the Heartbeats organization. We have to take a stand against what is wrong. And when it comes to harming our unborn, we had better, listen to me, we had better have the mind of the Lord. One thing that, and it, this is why I believe the, the Lord is bringing this up this morning, is I don't know if we realize how seriously God takes the protection of the unborn. I don't think we can grasp how seriously he takes the protection of the unborn and the protection of our children. Um, one thing that immediately comes to my mind is, do you, do you remember, recall when uh, Jesus was with his disciples and the disciples were arguing, saying, hey, who's going to be the greatest? Who do you think is going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And what did Jesus do? He went and grabbed a child and he, he set this child in the midst and says, except you be like one of these children, you shall in no wise enter in the kingdom of heaven. And then he goes on to say, whosoever harms one of these little ones, it would be better if a millstone was hung around your neck and you were cast headlong into the sea. So this is Jesus saying, this is how important these children are to me. This is how important these young lives are to me. That Christ, our Lord, our Savior says... Go ahead and hang a millstone around your neck, a big heavy object, and throw yourself into the sea if you're going to harm one of these children. He takes it very seriously. And I'll, I'll say this. It behooves us this morning to find out God's thoughts on abortion and to align ourselves to what he thinks about it, to take his stance on it. I'll say this even a step further. I believe it is dangerous for us not to know how strongly God feels about harming children and, and abortion. I believe it's dangerous. You hear me? I say the word dangerous for us as a nation to be ignorant of this topic, to be uninformed of these facts. It is dangerous, dangerous ground for us to be on, to, to say, huh, what? Is that, is that a big thing? Is it? It's dangerous. So we're going to start out somewhere that's going to sound uh, unrelated to this topic okay and we we have to start here because there's a the bible is actually very clear now i've told a handful of you as i actually spent a lot of time i got a big headache over doing this because there's lots of research and lots of flipping through my bible to find all this stuff but now that i found it there's a big giant story that clearly shows god's thoughts and his emotions and the way he feels about how we harm our unborn and how we harm these young lives uh, we have to start out with the, the complete destruction. There were some tribes that God ordered to be destroyed. The Canaanites and the Amorites. There's actually Jebusites, Perizzites. All, all these tribes that God ordered their total annihilation. God commanded them for to be totally destroyed. The, these tribes were ancient tribes that inhabited the land of Canaan which, if you remember, was the land that God wanted his people to live on. But these tribes lived there first, 
and God commanded that they be destroyed. Now, listen, many opponents, if you're kind of like a religion nerd like I am, you, you might have come across stuff like this, but many opponents of the Bible, many critics of the Bible, many atheists use this to say, see, I told you, your God that you serve is a moral monster. They say, see, God, he commands that all these people be killed. He's a, a cosmic bully. He's a, a genocidal maniac. See, he, he committed genocide because he eradicated the land of Canaan of all these people groups. So I don't want to serve a God like that. So many opponents of the Bible say this. They, they look to this. And in fact, I do want you to hear the harsh command that the Lord gives to these people groups. Listen, it, it's in there and God orders it in Deuteronomy Chapter 7, listen to the harsh words of the Lord. It says, And when the Lord thy God, Deuteronomy 7, 1, When the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land, whether thou goest to possess it, and hast cast out many nations before thee, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, seven nations greater, greater and mighty than thou, and when the Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee, thou shalt smite them, listen, and utterly destroy them. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor show mercy unto them. Now, now these are the tribes, all those seven tribes I, I read to you that God says, they're in the land, but I want to move you into that land. And God says, utterly destroy them. He says, make no covenant with them. Don't make any peace agreements. Don't say, well, if you leave kindly, we won't do anything to you. No, make no covenant with them. And God even says, nor show them mercy. Many critics of the Bible, many atheists say, see, your God isn't a good God. See, he, he ordered the slaughter and the destruction of all these people. Now, those were the tribes that lived in the land of Canaan, and God is commanding to completely wipe them out. Furthermore, this, this same command is written in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 20. In Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 16, it says, But of the cities of these people, which the Lord thy God doth give thee for an inheritance, thou shalt save alive nothing that breathes, but thou shalt utterly destroy them, namely the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee. You see that here he's saying, save nothing alive that breathes. Everything that breathes, nothing. And these opponents and these critics of the Bible, they use this. They say, see, your God isn't good. He's a genocidal maniac, and I'm not going to serve a God like that. No way, it's no good. But, but what they fail to do is they fail to put all the pieces together. They fail to ask, why would God issue such a, a harsh command? Why is God taking such extreme measures towards these people groups? Well, we're going to answer that this morning. And we're going to see if it is applicable to the presentation we just heard, especially as it applies to our nation. Okay? Now, we all remember the story of Exodus, right? Uh, I'll go over it real quick, but we don't have tons of time to spend on it. But you all remember that God's people, way back in the Old Testament, God's people, the Israelites, were enslaved. They were slaves in the land of Egypt. Uh, it was for a period of 400, 430 years, and, and it was very grievous. Their burden was very grievous, and they cried up unto the Lord. And finally, after a period of time, the Lord heard their cry, and he delivers them. They were, under the, they were slaves under the rule of the Egyptian pharaohs. 
And God uses Moses. Remember, that's where Moses is called. And remember his rod and this and that. And Moses is used to help deliver God's people, which all this is recorded in the book of Exodus. Uh, If you remember, God brings them out. He pours out his wrath on the Egyptians, all the plagues, and brings those children out of the land of Egypt. And they go through the wilderness. God gives them Ten Commandments. He parts the Red Sea. Um, you know, we don't have time to go over all this stuff, but I'm just getting you to recall that because we need to start there. So the exodus of God's children. But before all of that, way back before, actually hundreds and hundreds of years before all of that big exodus story, there's a strange little passage of Scripture found in Genesis that this is where we have to start with all of this, okay? And it's a strange little passage that if you don't put all the pieces together... How many of you ever had a puzzle when you don't have all the pieces together and you're like, I don't know what it is. I don't know what the picture is. It looks good. I think, maybe, I don't know. Or, or at least it's unclear to you that if you don't put this little piece in first, then, then you get an unclear picture of God's heart and God's thoughts on the topic this morning. So we need to start in Genesis chapter 15. Now remember, this is before the captivity. This is actually before there were even Israelites. There were no Israelites back then. This is before all that stuff. Matter of fact, we're going to talk about Abram before his name is even Abraham. And if you know who Abraham is, he's pretty much, it's credited to him that he's the father of all the Jews. It all started pretty much with Abraham. That You may have heard a term, the Abrahamic covenant. Uh, Stuff like that. This is before all that. His name here is even Abram. So we have to start in Genesis chapter 15, verse 13. This is our first big puzzle piece this morning. It says, And he said unto them, Genesis 15, 13, And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in the land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation, Egypt, whom they shall serve, will I judge. And afterwards shall they come out with great substance. Verse 15 says, And then thou shalt go unto thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in a good old age. Now listen very closely. Verse 16 says, But in the fourth generation they shall come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. Ah, it's a little bit mysterious there. So God, way before there is even a nation of Israel, tells Abram, he says, Abram, your seed is going to be enslaved for a period of roughly 400 years. But I will judge the nation that enslaves you, which is Egypt. He poured out the ten plagues on them. That's what's God's judgment. God delivers them. God is telling Abram, way before all this happens, your people are going to be enslaved. But then later the Lord says something sort of mysterious. He says something about the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. Now we have to ask ourselves, what what iniquity was this tribal group committing? What were they practicing? What were these tribes into? Whatever it is, it has God's attention and I believe he's not happy about it because he calls it iniquity. Iniquity is a fancy word for sin. So these Amorites... They are committing some sort of sin that is beginning to bother God. But God says it's not full yet. Meaning it it hasn't pushed God beyond the limits of his mercy yet. 
You know, there is a limit that we can push God that His mercy is cut off. That is out there. God is that way because if He wasn't that way, He wouldn't be a just God. The Bible tells us over and over, He's a just God. There is a limit to God that we can push Him past and He says there's no more mercy. But whatever these Amorites are doing, they're not there yet. They're committing some sort of sin, but it's not full yet. And God says this hundreds and hundreds of years before, before Israel even exists. What, what is this? What, what, what are these people doing? It's something is starting to agitate God. Something is starting to bother God about these Amorites. Now, in the book of Deuteronomy, God warns his people not to do the things as he's bringing them into this land of Canaan. Remember, he brings them out of Egypt. He pours out all the ten plagues. He brings them out. He wants to bless them with the land flowing with milk and honey. And that's the land of Canaan. But these people live there prior to the Israelites moving in there. And God warns them and says, Do not do what the prior occupants of that land are doing, what they did. So we're going to read a scripture in Deuteronomy that will maybe begin to clue us in as to what these Amorites, what these tribal groups are doing that has God so angry. Deuteronomy chapter 18 verse 9 says this, When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God gives thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone that makes his sons or his daughters to pass through the fire, or that uses divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or wizards, or necromancer. For all that do these things are an abomination to the Lord. Because of these abominations of the Lord, the, God, the Lord thy God does drive them out from the before thee. So these are the reasons that God says, I want to drive these people out, and I'm going to move my people into that land. And he says something like, If anyone among you found that makes his son or daughter pass through the fire. So, so they're doing some sort of weird ritual where they're passing their sons and daughters through the fire, along with all kind of other demonic activity, witchcraft and wizardry and necromancing and all that goofy stuff. So these are an evil group of people, obviously. So what, what in the world is this practice of passing sons or daughters through the fire that has God so angry? Let's see what Leviticus says about it. In Leviticus chapter 18, verse 21. Now it seems, before we read that, it seems as though we're going to jump around in the Bible. And you may tend to think, well, Jason's just going to pick all these scriptures out and he's going to piece them together to say what he wants them to say. That is not the case. If you'll know that, the, the, the Pentateuch is not technically in chronological order, uh, meaning in Exodus it does contain the story of when God takes the children. He, Exodus, that's what it means, a, a mass removal of people or mass group of people leaving. That's what Exodus records. But it's also rehashed in the book of Deuteronomy. And then in between there you have Leviticus, which is lots of rules and regulations. So where we may jump around in some of those books, it still is in a chronological order. So I'm not picking scriptures and trying to place them together to say what I want them to say. I'm actually saying what the Bible says. It may be slightly out of order because Deuteronomy rehashes, rehearses all these things. So if we jump around, it's still the same story. Leviticus Chapter 18, verse 21. Okay, we're, we're going to try to figure out what this passing son or daughter through the fire is all about. 
verse 21 says, And thou shalt not let any of thy seed pass through the fire unto Molech, neither shalt thou profane the name of thy God, I am the Lord. We'll stop there. So passing seed, or, or, which is children, passing these children through the fire unto Molech. Molech, some, some sort of ritualistic practice that they're taking these children, passing them through the fire unto this false god called Molech. And God's saying, don't do it because it profanes my name and I want nothing to do with it. He actually refers to it as an abomination. He wants nothing to do with it. Now, now Molech was a, a type of a Canaanite god. He was the god of those tribes that we mentioned earlier. They, they worshipped this god called Molech. Listen, Leviticus 20 verse 1 says this, And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Again, thou shalt say to the children of Israel, Whatsoever he be of the children of Israel, whosoever he be of the children of Israel, or of the stranger that sojourns in Israel, that gives any of his seed unto Molech, he shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones, and I will set my face against that man. I will cut him off from among his people, because he has given his seed unto Molech to defile my sanctuary and to profane my holy name. And if the people of the land do in any ways hide their eyes from that man when he gives of his seed unto Molech, and kill him not, then I will set my face against that man and against his family and will cut him off and all that go a-whoring after him to commit whoredom with Molech from among their people. Now, we see that this is a dire warning from God. He is saying, I do not want my children to do these practices, to pass their seed, which is children, through the fire. God is warning, I don't want you to do that. This is a drastic measures. The Lord is saying, do not take part in this practice. Do not do any of the things that these previous inhabitants do. Don't do them. Stay away from them. Do not take up this practice of practice passing children through the fire, sacrificing them unto Molech. Now listen, the, the Canaanites, they were a terrible people. They, they engaged in a type of a devil worship. They, they worshipped this deity named Molech. What it is is they built a bronze statue that had a head of a cow, and it had a hollow, had two outstretched arms, and it had a hollow torso area. They, burnt, they built a fire inside of this torso area that heated up this big giant bronze statue of Molech. And once it was hot enough, they would place a living infant or child into the outstretched arms of the metal statue. They would beat drums loudly. And brothers and sisters, this is actually recorded in even other historical texts. We have other Greek historical texts that talk about these practices that they would beat drums louder and louder to drown out the, the shrieks and the cries of the baby so that the parents wouldn't hear it. They would beat these drums loudly and loudly. And it was a horrible atrocity that God was warning them to stop. That's what these tribes were committing. That's what they were practicing. Now, it was over 400 years that these Canaanites, Amorites, all these uh, tribal groups continued in this evil practice. Th then God finally had enough of it. 
and destroyed them. Now, the Israelites that moved in, they were just the means that God used to destroy these people, to wipe them off the face of the earth. So now, let's go back to our scripture that we read in Genesis. You remember the part where the Lord said, and after four generations, you shall come again, and because the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. If we look at that, and now we know what these people were doing, we know what their practices were, we can see that they had been practicing this, and it was starting to bother God. Now you might say, man, why God had to be so harsh on them? It actually, if you put the pieces together, it is a display of God's mercy. Listen closely to me. God, this shows God's long-suffering. God left His chosen people in slavery for 400 and some years to give these people a chance to repent, to, to extend His mercy to them and say, please do not stop doing this. It wasn't like they just started doing it and God said, wipe them out. No, for 400 years, God left his own people in captivity, in slavery. He was watching the Egyptians torture and, and, and heavily burden his people. And while God saw that, he saw these other people, but he said, not yet. I don't want to judge them yet. Their sin's not full yet. Maybe they'll change their ways. It's actually a picture of the long-suffering of God. It's a display of His mercy. They were practicing child sacrifice unto Molech. And He, God, left His people in slavery for 400 years to give these wicked people a time to repent. And they didn't, and mercy was cut off. They were wiped out, wiped clear off the map. They were annihilated off the face of the earth. Listen to me now. God is not a moral monster. He is not. We have to understand from God's perspective. He is pure. So pure. So holy. Actually, we're going to read a scripture coming up that God says, these things don't even come into my mind. Where do you guys think of this? This doesn't even cross my mind. He's so pure and holy and just and good. So those are his qualities. And then people start Passing their seed through the fire. Into the, it completely repulses and shocks God. He's like, what in the world are you doing? He says, no, no, you can't do that. We have to understand how pure he is and how much this is an abomination unto him. You have to get his mind, his perspective. And it, 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 it does. It's like, no, 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 you can't do that. No, no, no. And he, in his mercy, let it go on for 400 years. And then finally he said, I, I can't do this anymore. And he has to cut off his mercy. That's why judgment fell on those tribes. That's why. You have to see the whole picture for what it is. God just doesn't see someone, oh, this person did this, destroy them. No, there's a big giant story that lasts centuries before it ever gets to that point. Now, it's important for us to remember. Listen, we have to remember this, that God wiped out those tribes. He wiped them clear off the map. For sacrificing those children. Well, the story isn't over yet. It's not. Because the nation of Israel isn't much better. And a lot of times when I think of the, the Israelites, I always think, you know, they're way less sinful than us Gentile folks. They're actually just people just like we are. Now, now obviously they are set apart. To them was given the oracles of God. 
Uh, th- this is a Jewish book that we're reading. So, yes, there is that, but they're just as sinful as you and I. God, God wanted those nations completely eradicated to stop that practice. To stop that practice. I don't want to see it anymore. I don't want my nation, the Israelites, I do not want you practicing this, though that they had to be eradicated off the planet so that his people would not do the same. Now listen, we're going to go to 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 1. This is so typical of humanity. It says, but King Solomon, we all remember King Solomon, right? But King Solomon loved many strange women together with the daughters of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, the Hittites, of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, You shall not go in unto them, neither shall they come in unto you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clave unto these in love. And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. Verse 5 says, For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. Milcom's another name for Molech. Verse 6 says, And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord, and went not fully after the Lord as David his father. Verse 7, let's listen. Then did Solomon build in high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, in the hill that is set before Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of the children of Ammon. And likewise did he for all his strange wives, which burnt incense and sacrificed unto their gods. So years later, King Solomon comes along, and he can't help himself. He loves the babes, and he has bukus and bukus of women. And those women turn his heart against the Lord. And what does he do? He resurrects this wicked, evil, demonic practice, and he reconstructs that image. He reconstructs Molech, this false god, and the children of Israel begin to take part in this wicked abomination, this practice. King Solomon resurrects Molech. Solomon resurrects the god Molech and brings evil practices of child sacrifice back to life again. Listen, a couple hundred years later, in 2 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 1, says this, Ahaz was 20 years old. Remember King Ahaz? He was 20 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. But he did not that which was right in the sight of the Lord like David his father. For he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel and made also molten images for Balaam. Listen, moreover, he burnt incense in the valley of the sons of Hinnom and burnt his children in the fire after the abomination of the heathen whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. He sacrificed also and burnt incense in the high places and on the hills and under every green tree. 
So here we are even a hundred, some couple hundred years later, after Solomon, we have King Ahaz. He starts to practice this again. It's also found, this practice is found in God's own people. They are doing it also. If you, well, we don't have time for all this, but if you look, when, even when God's people begin to practice this, it ain't long after that God raises up an enemy. Matter of fact, in Ahaz's case, you can read that Second Chronicles 28 yourself. Sooner or later, God raises someone up and they come to battle. And I think there's 120,000 of God's people are slain in that battle. Because this evil practice is resurrected and they're doing it again. And God's saying, I told you don't do anything that those inhabitants did. I wiped them clear off the map because I did not want anyone practicing this. And here, they resurrected it again, and they are doing it. They're passing their seed through the fire. Well, a couple of hundred years even after that, after King Ahaz, God sends the prophet Jeremiah. Now, many of us have probably read the book of Jeremiah and saw that he was a prophet, a man of God. And God speaks through Jeremiah and executes judgment upon his people for this practice. Listen, Jeremiah 32, verse 32, says this. Because of all the evil, this is Jeremiah, it's God speaking through Jeremiah. Because of all the evil of the children of Israel and of their children of Judah, which they have done to provoke me to anger, they, their kings, their princes, their priests, and their prophets, and the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, they have turned unto me the back and not the face, though I taught them, rising up early and teaching them. Yet they have not hearkened to receive instruction, but they set their abominations in the house, which is called by my name, to defile it. Verse 35 says, And they built the high places of Baal, which are in the valley of the sons of Hinnom, to cause their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire unto Molech, which I commanded them not, neither came it into my mind, God says, that they should do this abomination to cause Judah to sin. And now therefore thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning this city, whereof ye say, it shall be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon by the sword and by the famine and by the pestilence. So God speaks through Jeremiah and he says, my own people are doing this. My own people are provoking me. My own people, I told you, don't do this. Don't do that. Don't, don't give your daughters unto their sons and don't take them sons and marry them with your daughters. God says, don't do it. I don't want you to intermingle because I don't want you to practice passing seed through the fire. But he does and Jeremiah comes along and says, okay, you guys did it. Now, therefore, God is going to do this. And if you remember, a little bit of historical, I actually have preached on this before, maybe a year ago or so, that God raises up King Nebuchadnezzar. What's Nebuchadnezzar do? He comes in, utterly destroys. He actually destroys the temple. He actually burns it down. He burns down all their houses. He takes them as slaves. The ones that he likes, he takes as slaves. The ones that he doesn't like, he leaves them there to dress the vines all for him so he can collect off of all of it. All the people of God, all of what was supposed to be God's. Nebuchadnezzar, this pagan king, comes in and destroys it. And he takes over all of it. He, that's how D Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, how they got to Babylon is through that battle that they were destroyed burned the house of God down, took all the instrumentations that were used in worship of God, took them and they would drink beer and party out of them, all because these people resurrected this evil practice. They brought it back 
And God said, okay, then I'll, I'll raise someone. I'll raise up King Nebuchadnezzar. He will come and he will destroy you, lay waste to all this. Now, maybe, maybe you'll wonder, what's the point of all this? Are you giving us a history lesson? No, it's, it's not just a history lesson. The, the moral of this historical lesson for today is this. God will judge the nation that kills these babies. God will judge the nation. He will judge the nation. It is an abomination to him. When you, you shed innocent blood, he hates it. Read it in Proverbs. He can't. He's so, yeah, we have to understand our minds are debauched and degraded and they have sinful thoughts. God's don't. He, he's so pure and holy and his thoughts are all good, all good. And then mankind is doing these things, these wicked things, and it just repulses him. And he, he, he extends his mercy even in that. But after a while... It, it took all those tribes about 400, 430 years, and God said, I, I can't do it anymore. I can't put up with this anymore. Now, you might argue with me you know, that you know, we, we don't really sacrifice children to Molech anymore. You know, come on, that's an ancient, ancient ritual. You know, that, that practice has been gone. We don't do that. Those statues have all been destroyed. And we don't do that anymore. But I would say to you, are you sure? Do we? Do we? I, I don't know if I could agree with you if you said we don't do that anymore. Have we really quit sacrificing our children? I don't believe we have. If I, if I could call, have the band begin to make their way, I'll bring this to a close, but I'm not so sure that the abominable practice of passing our seed through the fire is completely gone. Matter of fact, we may be doing it more so than they did in Old Testament history. I, I believe it, that that abominable practice, you know, may, maybe it isn't to Molech anymore, but we have other gods that we sacrifice our young children to. We have other gods called uh, convenience, the God of convenience that we'll sacrifice our children unto. We have the God called mm, money that we'll sacrifice our children unto. They're false gods just like Molech. It's just a different name. It's the same thing, the same practice, just under a different name, just with a little bit of a different technique. Brothers and sisters, don't be mistaken. We still sacrifice our children to these false gods today. We do. Listen, you heard some of the statistics that Kendra gave earlier. 62 million babies. 62 million. How many, is in, how many are in our nation? 320 million? That's a huge percentage of our nation gone. We've sacrificed them. We've got rid of them. We've said, you aren't made in the image of God. You are a nuisance. You are a pestilence to us. We want rid of you. I looked just the other day. Now, this could be different because of COVID-19, but there was a point when the state of California was slaughtering 360-some babies each day. Every day, just one state each day. The city of New York was terminating Terminating more African-American babies than they were having birth to African-American babies. Killing more of them than there are born, born. Slaughtering them. 
brothers and sisters, we have to align ourselves with the way God feels about this. We have to align ourselves with His feelings, with the way He thinks about it. Because one day, God is going to cut off His mercy. When I pray, I do believe that God is a merciful God. He is a merciful God. How can you prove that, Jason? Because we're still here. We're still here right now. We still have the ability to come and pray and beg for mercy. God is extending. We are in a merciful period right now. We're in a grace period right now. But at some point, God is up in heaven. He cannot be happy with our practices. He cannot be happy with the practices going on in this nation. There's no way, no justifiable way that God can be pleased or proud or happy. And I believe that we are seeing the removal of the blessing of the hand of the Lord. Oh, this nation was so blessed. We were so plenteous. We were the innovators of the world. We showed the whole world how to be free and how to have an open economy, a free trade. And we're throwing it all away. And our sin is ascending up to Him. And if we remember in Genesis, God said, The sin of the Amorites is not yet full. Meaning, not yet, not yet. I believe that is where we are. God saying, not yet. The sin of the United States, it's, it's not yet full. But it can't be far off. For them, it was 400 years. How long we've been a nation? 240-some, whatever it is. We're pushing it. We are pushing it. Listen, church, this is why it is important. This is why it is important for the church to support these type of ministries, for us to support heartbeats. Because when the Lord cuts off His mercy, we had better be found busy about our Father's work. We better be able to say, Lord, I didn't do much, but at least we did this as a church organization. Lord, we had them come here and speak. We tried to support them. Because God, can we not argue that look how God feels about this topic of harming these babies, harming these children, harming these young ones. It is an abomination to Him. It is an abomination. He takes such a serious stance against it that historically He has wiped tribes clear off of the map for practicing these type of things. Now, what Kendra said is right. There is forgiveness. I'm not saying God's coming to slaughter you if you have done that. No, if you are genuinely repent. And what that means is we ask the Lord to forgive us. And I repent all the time on behalf of our nation to God because I am an American. And what is America doing? Slaughtering 62 million babies. Oh, God, forgive us. Forgive us for what we've done. And church, this is what the purpose of this morning is. This is one little way we can say, Lord, you're right. Lord, I will stand with you. And I see how strongly you feel against passing this seed through the fire. This is one little way that we can stand and align ourselves with God and say, you're right, Lord. This is an abominable practice. And we have to do what we have to do as individuals and churches to align ourselves with what the Lord says. Let's pray and then we'll worship one last time before we dismiss. Father God, I know this is a difficult topic to talk about. It is, Lord. And, and even when Kendra spoke, Lord, she even said things that are difficult for us to, to deal with. And Lord, a lot of times, if it's difficult to deal with it, we avoid it. But Lord, we know that it's going on. But we have these horrific statistics, Lord God. Lord, I thank you so much for organizations like Heartbeats, Lord, that help those young people, Lord, or even older folks, Lord, folks from all across the board, Lord. I pray, Lord, that we can bless them today, Lord, 
Help us to bless that organization, Lord. And in doing so, we align with the way you feel about these little ones, Lord. We align the way that you feel about children, Lord. About the unborn, Father God. We see how seriously you take it, Father God. And Lord, I pray that you extend your mercy on us as a nation, Lord. Lord, we love you and we thank you.